Today's Center Reduce Nation podcast was brought to you by Manscaped. Head to manscaped.com and use the promo code capital C, capital L, Nation, and to receive 20% off plus free delivery on all their products. Welcome to today's podcast of Sun News Nation. This is Pat LaRusso, soon be joined by Lucas Ugenti and Anthony Sino. We'll be looking at the Ilya Mekarov signing and much, much more. Here uh, for another podcast and recording. Um, we have both Anthony Sino and Lucas Ugenti. How's it going, gentlemen? I'm good. I'm good. How's it going, Pat? Uh, how's it going, Luke? I'm I'm getting ready to watch some uh, some football, some, uh, oh, some baseball. Yeah. Everything's going on at this time, so so everything is. Uh, at least we still have some sports to salvage the uh, the fall months. Um, so yeah, just trying to just trying to keep up with all the sports that are going on, especially soccer too. My uh, my team Juve won today. I don't know. Did Milan win, Luke, today or no? Oh, <laughs> did Milan win? Smacked them three one. See you later, nice. Celtic. Good job. <laughs> yeah. See, you mentioned you mentioned more sports are continuing, but I mean, as living the life of a Giants fan, I'd, I'd almost prefer the NFL season not to happen. But it is what it is. <laughs> It's New York football for you right there. New York football. What a joke. You know, I'll, I'll admit I'm not into baseball as much as I used to be as a child. Um, and football is just never my thing. So I'm really scrounging for TV to watch. Um, so I go back to my gems. I go back to a few different comedies. Um, yeah, I've been getting into a few documentaries as well lately. So what's, yeah, what's your favorite? Uh, what's, what's your favorite comedy, Pat? You know what? Um, I watch Bob's Burgers and I love Archer and the same guy does both. And I, I sometimes forget because he doesn't change his voice that when I'm watching Archer, I can still envision Bob from Bob's Burgers. And then when I watch it, still see Archer, but both comedies, you know, definitely worth, uh, you know, the time to watch them. So no, it's, that's where I, I go. And then my other gem is, is an old time classic is Seinfeld. So. That's good. Seinfeld, I think, is the uh, is the goat for, uh, it for is. comedy. I really I like that show. Same, I can watch the same episode endless amounts of times, find something new to laugh at, um, and it just never gets boring. The jokes are I, still I, relevant today. I read, uh, I think the number that I read recently is that Seinfeld, like Jerry, he makes $200 million on syndication a year. Wow. Like from the show, that's so. The fact that it's still going on is absolutely nuts. Jerry's definitely making it rain financially. Yeah, you know, Larry he, David too. Larry David as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, see, hot take. Like, I don't. I don't think I've ever seen even a minute of Seinfeld. If you Maybe a second of Seinfeld. That's a sin. That's a sin. You gotta just get into it. Just jump in into a few episodes, give it a chance because I honestly think it's it 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 beats Friends, it beats 
I don't know if okay, I'll, I won't say it'll beat The Office, but it's definitely tied. Um, and uh, there's other shows like uh, all those kind of sitcom kind of movies or TV show feels. Like I think like you can't beat it. Seinfeld was the first one to get there. It's like, and I and I'll admit, Luke, I wasn't really into it uh, at the beginning, but once you give it a chance, it's just it's it's fantastic. It's a fantastic show. Uh, but anyway, yeah, maybe I'll give it a shot. But let us uh, digress. You know, Anthony, you wrote a wonderful article on the most recent Maple Leaf signing, uh, which was the re-up of uh, the Russian winger Ilya Mikheyev um, on a two-year contract. Um, so, you know, do you want to let our listeners know, you know, what you thought of that signing and, and um, you know, just some of the, the more finer points of your blog? Yeah, sure. So, uh Overall, I think that the signing is uh, some tidy work for Dubis. Um, in the blog, I mentioned that one of the closest uh, comparables is a guy like uh, Ryan Dezingle. Um, not his most recent contract that he's on, but the contract uh, before that he signed a, uh, at the age of 25. He signed a, a two-year uh, 1.8 million a year AAV deal uh, with the Ottawa Senators, and it was he was an RFA. It took him to UFA, similar to Makayev, uh, very similar uh, price range, and the only difference is the NHL experience. Uh, with that being said, though, a guy like Ilya Makayev, he although I think he only has 39 NHL games played, I think Dezingle had about 110. And uh, I and Mikhaev actually uh, outperformed, uh, outperformed Dezingle on a points, on a, like when you just look at the kind of the, uh, the surface stats that we're yeah. used to looking at in terms of points. So Mik- I think Mikhaev was, uh, uh, was a yeah. .58 0.5 per game player, 23 points in 39 games, yeah. and Dzingel did not come close to that. So, um, and I think Makayev is a better penalty killer than Dzingel is, um, and I think he's he's got a little bit more pace and a little bit more intelligence to his game. Uh, the only thing is, I would say that Dzingel's got a better shot, probably more of a shooting threat. But uh, yeah, so like it. With regards to a comparable uh, in terms of the marketplace, I think it's a good deal. Uh, it's definitely a bet, uh, considering that he does only have 39 NHL games played. But in the grand scheme of things, guys, I, I, I just think to have a player who can be in your middle six um, from time to time in the Leaf situation, right? They they just have they they just have a an, again we talked about this on the last podcast an abundance of options to uh, to play with here, and Makayev being one of the potential candidates for that uh, left wing spot uh, either beside Tavares or Matthews in the top six or in a third line role. Um, I I just think it's it's some great work and the reason that. Uh, or sorry, the we'll we'll get into this. I think after I'll give I'll give you guys a chance to to give your thoughts on the contract. But there is one uh, thing that I would want to uh, comment on that his agent had to say right after the signing that really put a put a grind in my teeth. But uh, I'll pass it over to you, Lucas, first, uh, and then we'll and then I'll bring it up. 
Um, yeah, I, I agree with everything you're saying. Uh, truthfully, I don't think there's there's really any way you can look at this contract and say it was a bad signing by any means. Um, it was a signing that I think needed to be done, and I think all of, all of Leafs Nation wanted it to to get done. Um, I can honestly say that I think we all kind of fell in love with Mikhaev, um, just purely because of of you know that whole soup thing and him being a Russian and trying to learn English and just being just being that guy. Um, I really enjoy it. I like the I like the cap one point. What is six six four five? Uh, yeah, I think that's five. Yeah, yeah, yeah some along those lines. Yeah, one point six four five. You you can you can work with that. And like Anthony said, he's technically yeah. a middle six guy. You know, he's not necessarily your first line player, but he's really not necessarily a third line player. We didn't get to see too much of him. I know we only really got 40 games out of him, but what he was showing in those 40 games was, was something special. I mean, the guy had a, one or two pretty nice breakaway goals. He showed some skill and he's got some size. He clearly works hard. It, it's one of those things where it's like 1.645. Like, are we, are we really going to find a reason to not like that deal? And especially the fact that it's two years. I honestly think that's crazy that he somehow squeezed out an extra year because usually prove it to me deals are a year. And I'm not necessarily saying this is a prove it to me deal, but in the same article that Anthony's talking about that we're going to get into later, his agent did mention something about possibly leaving money on the table. Uh, did he? We'll never know. I don't think uh, actual dollar signs have been discussed, but let's just say he did to get a second year, quote unquote, leaving money on the table. I think that's pretty good for Dubis. Um, and yeah, I, I think it was Anthony who mentioned it again. He's a middle six player, so he has the opportunity to play on the top three, you know, barring injuries, barring slumps. He can play up there because he's got the skill. Um, and he definitely does have the size to play on the third line. I don't necessarily pin him as a third line player. Um, but again, we only got 40 games out of him. So I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be too optimistic, um, because, you know, at the end of the day, it could, it could turn around and bite you. But I think for what he's shown and the value that Dubis got him for, um, and especially the term, the two years, I think that this was a win-win-win for, for all sides. Yeah, most definitely. Like when I when I think about it, you know, the 39 games that he did play, especially the ones earlier on, like he was up for like rookie of the year considerations where he was at point wise, you know, in the first mm-hmm. few months of the season, you know? So like there's there's something there. There's an element to his game. And it was funny because like when he was down with injury, the team missed it. I can't put my finger on it or you know, there's no stat that can prove it, but there was something about what he was bringing night in, night out before his injury that the team sorely missed when he was out of the roster. And I just, you know, we had this conversation about John, you know, Janssen and Kapanen, how they didn't really fit that that role as a as a you know a top six um, you know winger. Makayev seems to fit in and slot really nicely on that second line, and, and he almost hybrids as like a hymen. You know, like he'll he'll go in the dirty areas. He does have a bigger body. Um, he doesn't mind fishing for the puck. Um, and I like his personality. You know, there's there's something that about him. Um, you know, from that first interview where he mentioned that he likes soup to, you know, just his affable uh, personality that's come out. You know, it just it, he's just he just seems to fit in what I think the organization is trying to build in that locker room. Yeah. Um. Like I, I think. Just listening to what you guys are saying here, I think the we can all agree on a few things, like we just said, right? Like we agree that he can be that that middle six guy. We like the fact that it's a two year deal, not a one year deal. It does walk him to UFA, but at least you don't have to deal with another contract negotiation next year. All good things, um, but there are two things that I want to point out, and two of you, and you and each of you mentioned one of them. 
Uh, I'll start with what you said first, Pat. Um, I do think, because you mentioned Hyman as the comparable in terms of that that uh, that kind of uh, go-and-get-it attitude with the puck when it's in the corner. Um, I do think that uh, Mikhaev has the potential to be that, um, but I think he needs to show it on a more consistent basis. Uh, I do. I think that they were hoping that he would kind of find that little spark and that that type of game in the playoffs against uh, against Columbus, and he just couldn't seem to uh, to find it. And I really think, uh, like, I, like I, I don't, I don't want to be the the guy pooping on this deal right now, but like we're, we talked about the good, I think we also need to talk about the bad, right? And and it'll be talked about, uh, or sorry, it like it is talked about in my blog about how he did need to learn. He, he has a lot more things to learn about. Um, I, I still think he, he has a little bit more of a step to get to in terms of learning to play with those good players because he did not work in those five games with Nylander and Taveras. And I know it's just five games uh, because o- over the course of the earlier in the season, just before Christmas, he was working with Taveras and Nylander. Um, so I think it's just showing that more on a consistent basis, uh, because ultimately his play led to the reason why a Taveras, Matthews and Marner line came about in the, uh, in the, in the game five of the play. And if you guys remember, right, uh, it's because that Taveras line was not working out that much that he felt the need to get his three best forwards on a line together. So, so there, there are some downfalls to his game uh, when we're looking at last year, but in terms of like projecting his his underlying metrics out, he he had some great relative impacts uh, on the game, and was definitely one of uh, uh, the good for uh, one of the better forwards in transition. Um, he had some he had a good uh, xgf number uh, percentage, and I think it's just a matter of for him becoming more of a shooting threat, like I said, because he does have that power. He's 6'3", right? Almost 200 pounds. So he, he's got the body uh, to be able to, if he can get more shots off in the high danger areas, he's, uh, he, he's going to become more of a shooting threat. And I think that's going to work well with one of those two centers because it, it gives defenses another guy to think about on the ice, right? Like you got to imagine in the cycle, like, Sometimes he and it, and it's actually one of Hyman's downfalls too is that sometimes the way that the cycle works, right? The guy who you would like in the corner isn't act always in the corner, right? He's in the slot waiting for a pass, right? So being able to just show that you're a threat and defenses are forced to 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 check you in the offensive zone is going to be something that he should work on in the uh, in the off season and. Uh, and it's a shame, actually, right? Because do you guys remember when he became like he was the only thing being talked about in the camp, like in the return to play? Do you remember that? Like in the just in the July, like the, everyone was raving about, oh, like look at Makayev, he looks like a j- totally different player. Do you guys remember that or no? Yeah. yeah, yeah wasn't about. he considered the All Star of the? They won, of yeah, the he won the MVP. Yeah, he won the he, MVP, he won the MVP of, the... of their camp, which is like whatever, right? It's lame, but he. He he did win it, right? So you you know that he's got the game. It's just a matter of showing it. And again, like we always say, how hard like 
It's very hard to judge somebody on five games in the bubble in Toronto in the middle of August, right? Like it's not like it's not the pressure cooker that we're really used to seeing of the uh, NHL playoffs. So again, overall great, but the Leafs are taking on a little bit of risk because, um, because he, he, he might just be a third line guy sometimes. And if that's the case, then it's up to Keith to be able to, to make that work. Right. Like, just to bounce an idea off you guys, what do you guys think of a third line of uh, Mikhaev, Kerfoot, and a, and a Barabanov? And I'll, and I'll give you a reason why I think that line could possibly work. And immediately I thought of the, I always think of Tampa, and you guys, it's probably, it's an ongoing joke probably with you guys uh, that, like, I just always like to reference Tampa. And to me, I think of that Goudreau, Coleman, and uh, Yanni Gord line, that third line for Tampa that was so dominant in the playoffs, literally played against all sorts of competition and dominated the, and dictated the pace of play. Just extremely hard to play against, fast, physical, on the puck, and just creating a lot of havoc. Um, to me, I see a Makayev and Barabanov in the mold of like a, goal, uh, a Coleman and Goudreau. And then a Kerfoot of the mold of a Yanni Gord. And if those guys can learn to play heavy in the offensive zone and keep the puck out of our end, like that would be a, a killer third line for the Leafs, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, realistically, at the end of the day, like I, I don't disagree with what you're saying by any means. Um, obviously, I 100 percent agree. I just think you using the word risk. Um, I don't want to call it a stretch, but I, I don't. I guess I just don't necessarily see the risk at all. If I'm being honest with you, because let's just say he regresses, uh, he scored 23 points in 39 games. Let's shoot out a random number. Let's just say he even gets to 30 points. 30 points is his, his max this year, at one yeah. one million six six hundred thousand dollars. Like like really 30 points. I think I'm taking that any day of the week. I mean, I, I would prefer it to be more obviously, but I'm saying if he regresses. And at 1.6, 30 points, because I don't see him getting under 23. If he scored 40, or he scored 23 points in 40 games last year, there's no reason for him to go anything lower than that unless this guy actually just disappears. And again, spending a whole offseason, hopefully learning and getting better, you know, having the opportunity to practice with the greats of Tavares and Matthews on the ice. And you're, you're talking about a shot. Hopefully somebody gave him pointers to, to figure out the better, to figure out how to get a better snapshot and whatnot, pick corners, like whatever it may be you would assume that he's going to improve on that. So like, I don't know, like I, I, I get obviously where you're coming from in the sense where it could be a risk because you don't know what you're going to get. He only played 40 games, but at the end of the day, unless this guy completely implodes, I don't see a regression being anything to be scared of at $1.6 million. No. And, and, to, and funny, Lucas, you brought the points like the, you, you, you know, you said that at 1.645, you know, even if he only gets 30 points, um, I just pulled up Kapanen's stats for last season. Um, he got 36 points last year uh, in the regular season for over $3 million. So, right. really, if, if all we get is 30 points from Mikhaev, we're, 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 we've hit pay dirt. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, I don't see the risk. I think risk is, it, it always has that negative connotation. Um, and, you know, it's not like we're looking at one of like, a, like an $8 million player coming in or, you know, it's at 1.65. Worst case scenario is, you know, he's he becomes another tradable asset, and maybe he works out elsewhere. But really, from a lease perspective, um, you know, I I don't see the risk. I I, I think 
that there may be a, a better way of describing it, but I, I just don't see the risk from the Leafs' perspective. Well, well I'll, t- I'll tell you, like, okay, so maybe risk is 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 the buzzword that we that we don't want to use, but like, I'll, I'll I'll say that. Okay, with with every contract you sign, like, um, there is some type of, I'm not, I don't want to say downside, but like. There is really no other word to say it. The risk is is that he can get injured again, like he got injured in July in uh, at Christmas last year, and he and he misses half the year, right? Okay, and then you throw yeah. him on IR, but then is the player that you're replacing him with as effective? Like no, right? Like the 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 different the the risk here is is that you're. I know it's just one point six guys, but in in a in this cap structure, like. Especially with the Leafs, where you got forty million tied up with four guys, right? Like if you if we're if we're looking in terms of ranking the forwards, right? The four guys, whatever way you want to rank them, that's one to four. Okay, five is who Hyman, right? So five is probably Hyman. In ter- I'm, ta- I'm ranking in terms of Wait, in terms important. of like best, best most important on the best. team, most important, whatever. Uh, let's just call them as as what as the same. Let's pretend that they're okay. They're sure, yeah. Right I'll, I'll give I'll give you Hyman. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you Hyman, Hyman or sure. Kerfoot. Hyman and Kerfoot yeah. are five and six. Whatever way you want to rank him, he's your seventh. Yeah. Mikhaev's. We're looking at Mikhaev as our seventh guy, right? Because although we have all these good veterans in Simmons and and Thornton and Spezza, right? We can't. We there. It's not. Uh, money in the bank that these guys are going to be your seventh best forward consistently on a night by night basis, right? The Leafs need to rely on the six forwards that I previously named. And then the seven through 12 is up for grabs. It's, I think the risk there is, is that you're paying someone um, like not by a not variable amount in the minors, uh, to to push to be the seventh, the sixth or seventh best forward on your team. Look, like I'm not saying he can't be that, but to say there's no risk is is also I think like incorrect as well. Like, well, again, I don't think anyone like, said there was like, no risk. Okay, I just don't think it's as big of a risk as you. Yeah, made I don't think it's as big of a risk. So, okay, so then that that I agree with, and 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 you did hit on a point that I really want to want to. Uh, emphasize here is that even if he does regress to like that 30 points like you said over 82 games uh even 35 let's say like yeah that's you're getting Kapanen's production for half of the half of the salary um but the thing is right like you're yeah although you are getting uh Kapanen's production for half the salary but that production it might still not be good enough to to have that effective third line right like you, uh, you need to be able to. He needs to be able to. I'm not saying produce on a points wise, but he needs to be a guy that is just at least consistently driving play. Uh, if he is going to be on that third line, he needs to be a play driver on that third line in the mold of a Coleman, a Goudreau, a, a, a Gord, right? Because we've seen countless times, guys, like last year, uh, especially. Like once we realized that how like the lack of depth that the Leafs had once injuries hit is that the top six was relied upon so heavily. And I understand they're they're getting paid the most money and we'll get into it in terms of like what the expectations are in the dressing room of of guys that are getting paid that much. But the bottom line is to go deep in the playoffs. You need those you need these depth guys to show up. 
And and I, I, I do think that Makayev has the capability, but he definitely can't show up in a way that he did uh, against Columbus it, like he did in the play-in round against Columbus because, like, that's great. You had some good underlying numbers, but you needed a goal, like, sometimes, right? Like, he, needed, he needs to find the back of the net. Uh, in, yeah, in ways... there was a couple guys who needed a goal that series. Yeah, I'm not saying he's the only one. I'm not saying he's the only one, right? But now he's obviously a guy that he'll probably get exposed in the expansion draft, right? Now that he, sure. Th- I'm sure that's actually why he got the two year deal. No, I don't think he can. I don't think he can. No, sorry, he's exempt. You're right. I read that he is exempt. Wait, why is this? Why is he exempt? Because he was an undrafted European free agent. Yeah, that's what. Sorry, I read that tweet too. Uh, okay, I actually didn't know that. Good, yeah, uh, good, good catch there. So that's my bad. Yeah, right so, on. Pat. Okay, so maybe he's not. So he's not exempt. So then, it okay. So to spin it this way, then he's obviously viewed as someone who's part of this team's core for at least the next two years, um, and and obviously. Like that, that should mean something to the fans that Dubis trusts him to be like that. Like he didn't, if he just wanted another one year deal for Dubis and then, then Dubis probably would have only pushed for a one year deal. And, and cause on a one year deal, he probably would have got lower term. So Dubis obviously believes in him. And, uh, in that case, you, we, we got to also have faith. So at the end of the day, like, like, like you guys said, like there really is, uh, it was a no-brainer for Kyle to get this done. So, uh, overall, good work, right? Like, ho- to fa- like I hope he proves me wrong and he scores fifty points. You know what I mean? Like that that that's the ideal scenario. Maybe you get some shooting luck, right? But I think his most important roles are going to be five on five minutes against second lines of the op- opposition and playing some key penalty kill minutes. Like that's what he needs to be. That needs to be his bread and butter, right? So, so those are the measurables that I'm going to be watching for him over the next season and or two. So, yeah, like that. Like to me, we 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 talk about the points, right? But that those are those are those are like uh, the cherry on top. And for me, when it's when I talk about Makayev, uh, and that yeah. kind of go ahead. That Pat. kind of leads into our our next topic for tonight's or for today's podcast. Um, you know, when we, sp- we speak about salary and where every guy, you know, every player seems to fit in the roster, um, that kind of takes us to Dave Festchuk's article in the Toronto Star uh, today, where, you know, he, he spoke about McKay up taking a little bit less uh, to get this deal done. And, and, and then he also discussed uh, the possible issues in the locker room with such a discrepancy or a, a discrepancy, sorry. Uh, in salary between the top guys and the, you know, your more third, fourth liners um, and other depth guys on the team and how that might cause uh, some friction in the locker room. Uh, so, Lucas, you know, I know you read the article. Uh, I know you, Anthony, as well. But I'd kind of like to, you know, maybe throw this off to Lucas first and kind of get your thoughts on the article and what you thought of it as a whole. Um, well, other than the fact that it actually was a pretty well-written article, uh, I'm going to use my my English major, put that to use. It was very well written. Um, humble brag, uh, humble brag. Yeah, like a quick little <laughs> humble brag. How are you? Keep How keep the you? change, keep the degree. Um, <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I'm definitely not going to sit here and say I agree because I don't agree in the sense that 
this particular contract is causing turmoil um, or would cause turmoil. I mean, I don't think Makayev, first of all, I don't think his English is good enough to go in there and start and start talking <laughs> trash, but I, I don't think he's walking into a locker room, you know, after playing only 40 games. Like, I have to stress that. After playing only 40 games and, and thinking that he deserved, you know, boatloads of more money. But I kind of get where he's coming from in the sense that because Toronto isn't known for, you know, taking team-friendly discounts and, and I don't want to say working together, but, like, it kind of seems like that. Like, they just – it seems like the, you know, the front office and the team are just strictly business at all times. And it just seems that over the years there's been players that have unfortunately had to leave the team um, that Toronto would have liked to see stay. And I, I, prime example, honestly, Anthony mentioned that off the air, would, would have been Connor Brown, like, I would have loved to see him as a Leaf forever, you know, a Leafer for the rest of his career. But unfortunately, his cap value obviously uh, couldn't coincide with with what the rest of the team was doing. Um, and then you just look at some of the players. Like, in the article, he talks about John Tavares, and I put this in air quotes, leaving money on the table because I, I think it was well known that San, I think it was San Jose that was offering him a couple mil yeah. more, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 13, I think, um, I think it was 13 mil. Thir- 13 over 7. Uh like thirteen a year. Thir- so he left. Years. So he left what? About two two million dollars on the table. He left four. He left fourteen on the table. Overall, Just, overall, right? overall, yeah, over yeah, the seven year contract, fourteen million for a seven year contract, um, which is a lot of money. Just, like, <laughs> oh man, so much money, so much money. But if I'm being honest with you, I take a lot of that with a grain of salt because it's like, it's like okay, well, obviously he wanted to come to Toronto. He's not going to leave money on the table. Just to complain, Toronto. I don't think anybody would do that. It doesn't really make much sense, like logically, when you think about it. Uh, he wanted to come play for Toronto. So at the end of the day, did he kind of take a discount? I would almost say yes. And then you continue reading and it's like, yeah, you know, at the end of the negotiations, he, he gouged them for another mill, but it's like, okay, but at the end of the day, you're not going to ask this, you know, um, for, was he first round pick, first overall pick, sorry, John Tavares? Yeah, yeah I think it was the first round pick. First overall. Oh, you're not going to ask him to take picks, any more, you're not going to ask him to take any more money than he's already, you know, leaving on the table. So at the end of the day, you do do what you have to do, but I kind of yeah. get it. I kind of get that there's a couple players that, you know, I'm not going to say are underpaid because on the lease, I don't really think anybody's underpaid, unfortunately, but I'm saying in sense of the players that had to leave, like at the end of the day, Kapanen and Janssen had to leave, but that was obviously because of the cap situation. But I can, I can honestly say that we, we enjoyed Janssen. I don't think any of us as Leaf Nation really said like, all right, Janssen, you you got to go. Because realistically, if Janssen was still on this roster and the Leafs weren't in cap hell, nobody would be talking about Janssen in a negative way. Like, he had an injury, so it's like, okay, you know, it happens. What are you going to do? But realistically, Janssen was a pretty good player for the Maple Leafs. You know, he, he was making a pretty penny, yeah. But at $3 million, it, it's, it's unfortunate that he had to leave. And it's because of these massive contracts. So, so no, I don't agree that he, that this contract in particular is causing turmoil. And no, I don't think that, you know, anybody in the Leafs organization is coming there saying that the guys who are getting paid that much don't deserve to be getting paid that much. But in essence, I, I do see where he's coming from because the possibility is there. And I'm not going to say that it's 100% not because the possibility is, is definitely there. I think the way I read the article and, and my big, my first takeaway from it was it lacked context. Um, and, and what do I mean by that? I mean, when you look at a guy like Joe Thornton who's only getting 700000 or Jason Spezza, what, he's what, just over a mil? Or no, under 900000 yes. uh, No, seven. under, under. Spezza's yeah. seven. 900000 right? No, Spezza's seven, seven, seven. That's uh, and Thornton have matching 700000 Oh, do they? Okay, so 700000 yeah. for Spezza, 700000 for Thornton. My, my bad. Simmons um, is... The 1.25 for Simmons. 1.5. 
Yeah, one point five yeah. for Simmons. Sorry, I got my nine hundred thousand. Those right. are their signings. Those are the guys that just were brought in. I just yeah. So when I when I look at that, I I see guys that a wanted to come here, um, because they see an opportunity. I think no one came into this blinded. You know, like Joe Thornton, Jason Spezza, and, and all the new signees this summer knew what they were coming into with the least cap situation. I think we all know who the least future is. Um, and I, I, I look at every other team. Like, there is a, there's always going to be that salary um, discrepancy. I think the salary cap has only made it worse. Because um, if you look at pre-cap era, there were third and fourth liners getting two, three, four million dollars. Like, we're talking some goons that were getting two and three million. You know what I mean? So, right. when I look at salary, um, when I look at salaries on, on the third and fourth lines, I don't blame that strictly on the Leafs. I look at it as a system that's broken. Because as soon as a salary cap came in, half the guys that were your traditional fourth liners lost their jobs. You know what I mean? Like, there were guys that just completely just phased out. No team wanted to pay them. You know, like, why am I paying a guy that's only going to, you know, only going to throw a punch here and there, one to two million dollars? Those guys were completely made dinosaurs and extinct in, in the NHL. So I think what we're seeing now, and, and, I, and I also blame COVID. So, you know, you add that as an additional layer um, that has helped suppress salaries, at least for this market and this year's free agent uh, group. Um, I think it was just a, a perfect storm for management to get really good deals but from a player's perspective half them there's still really good free agents out there you know like mike hoffman and a few others that still don't have contracts so i don't blame i don't think it's just a function of it being toronto i think a lot of our local media likes to make it about toronto and and every topic becomes about toronto i just don't see it as a toronto-centric issue Uh, I i see it as an nhl issue i see it as a potential issue in the players union but I don't see it as a strictly Toronto issue. Anthony, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so personally, I agree with I, I I'm gonna I'll I'll hang in the middle here uh, with both of your takes. Um, Pat, I agree. It lacked context and 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 we were talking about this earlier today, is that uh, writers are running out of content and and they're they're they need to fill papers, right? So so that's that's a reason why this probably comes about. Like I don't think it's a, I I do think it's just a coincidence that it comes out after Makayev signs. Like I don't think Festchuk is waiting at his laptop to press publish once Makayev's deal gets announced, right? So so it's obviously something that he just had in the works, waiting for uh, waiting for a rainy day in in the middle of October, at the end of October, to to get out. So so that side I agree with. To Luke's side, uh, with regards to um, past players that have had to leave, absolutely agree. People that have li- been listening to this podcast for the last uh, for over a year now know that uh, when Connor Brown left, got traded for the uh, to the Ottawa Senators on July first last year, it was like to me. I thought it was an absolutely like it was one it was one of the biggest stains on this Leafs organization for me uh, of this management group just because of the way it was handled um I'm not sure if people know this but Dubis traded 
ha- like I, I get it, timing's tough, but there was a weekend uh, in Toronto uh, for the Leafs players where I think Matt Martin got married on the Saturday. Um, Zach Hyman got married on the Sunday. And July 1st was on the Monday, right? So, um, and Matt Martin was a, was a, uh, in the island. Like, he, he was in New York at the time, right? But obviously, these guys are friends. They go to each other's weddings, blah, 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 whatever, right? So, to make it long story short, these guys, these Leaf players just had a great weekend together. I'm sure, like, and I actually do think I can confirm this, that Dubas did let Brown know that there was a decent chance that he was moved. Uh, but Brown has said it like he, he's been quoted saying that he got the call from Kyle in the middle of Zach Hyman's wedding, like Zach Hyman, Connor Brown are best friends, right? Like, and they, and Brown gets the call that he's been traded to Ottawa. Um, so I can, to me, I think that was just an unfortunate circumstance to literally one of my favorite players in the NHL not for the way that he plays the game, but, like, his story is just, like, all too relatable to, like, so many Leaf fans. The guy, and 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 I do think it's a little bit mushy, but, like, this guy lived out a dream that so many people have, and it is, like, family is, like, diehard Leaf fans. Grandfather was a Leaf fan. Father was a Leaf fan. Mother's a diehard Leaf fan. All, like, his entire family's a diehard Leaf fan, and the guy ends up getting drafted to the Leafs plays for the Leafs, scores one of the biggest goals for the Toronto Maple Leafs in this era, brings them back to the playoffs. If you guys remember who scored that goal uh, against Pittsburgh in the second last game of the Do we remember? Season. Do we remember? What a obviously. Joe Bowen, the little leprechaun, found a pot of gold. Like that's like that that slow that line is like stuck in my brain, right? But anyways, to bring it back to this article is that why is Connor Brown not a Leaf anymore? It's Mitch Marner. Like it's that like it's that simple. Mitch Marner out of the four forwards is the only guy that held this team over the over the fire, basically, to make sure that his AAV was up to snuff with Austin Matthews. So if you if Festchuk wants to talk and I know and I'm pretty sure Festchuk is like a Marner uh, Marner apologist. So he uh, like he he'll, he I don't think he'll ever go here, but like Marner is the only one that you could probably argue where he's the one that that created that egocentric mantra and and brought it into the room. He's the one that came in and said like thirty four is making this. Don't call me unless it's that. You understand? Like. That to me, like it, that's he's the one that brought it in there. Nobody else, to to my knowledge, has has made that complaint, right? The the Austin Matthews, the only thing Austin has to apologize for is why he didn't commit to this team for longer than five years. That's because his AAV matches up with with what a player like Austin should be making. Uh, uh, Willie Nylander. Like I could, I could go down the line, right? Willie Nylander, six point nine million, lines up with what a player like that should be making on your team. John Tavares is eleven million too much for a guy who's just about to turn across uh, the bridge of thirty and and is signed for another six years or five years, I think now. Like, yeah, maybe eleven million is 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 a little too much. But John was a UFA. 
He had all the leverage. He wanted to come to Toronto. That's fantastic. Everyone should be thanking him for that because this fan base has been begging for a star player to come home on free agency day. And John was the one that delivered. He's the captain of this team. Um, and you know what? Like, you, you just can't fight that AAV. Austin, yeah, I would have loved for him to sign for eight years. Like that, that's kind of like a, a, a like a little bit of a, a crappy move that he didn't want to he didn't want to commit longer. I understand, but he probably wants to re up and he he bets on himself. The only one where the AAV on this team does not match up to their performance, based off it right now, is Mitch Marner. Marner, I think, is the second or first highest paid winger in the game. He is not the best winger in the game. So, the, like. The the pro, what if you wanted to write a factual article, and I'm speaking to Dave Festruck right here, I would ask Connor Brown and I would ask Zach Hyman, who's up in a year, saying, Hey, look, like there might not be that much money around for your next contract, or to Connor Brown, like, hey, you're you're not playing for your hometown team anymore because this guy had to to negotiate through the media and make it and try and victimize himself saying that the team didn't treat him poorly. So now he's going to get his like now those guys are, uh, have legitimate chances of not playing for their hometown team because Mitch had to get what was, he felt he deserved. So that's more of the line that I would take. I have, I think I, I, sorry to hold on. I got to just finish. No, this. If you're going to sure. tell me that Joe Thornton is pissed who I, actually, I'm going to look it up quickly. What was Joe, what is Joe Thornton's career earnings been? Okay, so Joe Thornton career earnings has probably made over I would guess like close to a hundred million dollars. I think Here, it was over a hundred million. Yeah, it's a hundred and nine million dollars over his career. Yeah. Jason Spezza I'm, is a well over 50, 60 million. Wayne Simmons is not starving for money. So you're yeah. gonna tell me that these these vets that really are are getting paid what they're worth are gonna come in and be like. Like, I'm not making as much as Austin Matthews. Like, it's just like, it, it just makes no sense. Like, and, and again, like, Pat, you mentioned, like Edmonton. What is Edmonton? Like, I know we just want to deflect it to another market, but like, we, I, when we get caught in this Toronto bubble of like, we only listen to what these, the, the media members of these guys uh, say, right? Like, Fast Chuck Simmons, Tracos had something to say today, Cox, like, all those guys. Basically, it, it's, it really pisses me off because these guys say stuff that we are now have to talk about. Um, but they're obviously just saying it to get a reaction. And to me, the only thing that bugs me, it's unfortunate now because when they say stuff uh, and someone says like, oh, like Connor Brown can't be a Leaf anymore. Now other fans have to say, well, Connor Brown wasn't living up to his contract. So now other fans have to overcompensate and get drag Connor Brown's uh, name through the mud just to defend their point. So there's no happy medium. There's no logic to any side of the argument. People are just there. There, no one wants to, to look at the situation and be like, okay, let, let's look about this logically. You understand? No. And, and my biggest thing is, and Anthony, you actually got me thinking is you're right. For me, when I looked at that Dave Fezchuk article today, if he had mentioned Marner, I, w I would have second-guessed and be like, you know what, yeah, you know that additional couple million that we paid Marner, you know, would it look good? Would that have meant we would have been able to keep an additional body that, you know, we ended up having to trade? And then it got me, like, upset again. Like, it, it just brought back all the key points that frustrated me with the Marner 
contract negotiation, the father being in the media, the agent being on every talk show, um, the almost signing an offer sheet with Columbus, but because he didn't like the term, you know, just used it as leverage against the Leafs. Like the agent saying that he would, that they were going to start talking to other teams. Like none of that happened with Austin Matthews. None of that happened with William Nylander. And yet Marner gets the breaks where Matthews and Nylander don't. And if, if, and I think that that needs to really come f- from these articles. And I think context and, and even just some integrity and some honesty needs to be conveyed in these articles. Because all it's doing is it's dividing an, an, already, an already spastic fan base where it doesn't need to be. Because really, the offseason for the Leafs as a whole has been successful. Dubas has been able to build out depth without having to trade any of the core. You know, we finally have another legit top four defenseman in Brody. We've got that physicality. We've got everything that these writers for years have said this team lacked. And now that Dubas fulfills that mandate, now they're trying to find, now they're pivoting. So the goalposts seem to continue to move. And that's the part for me that frustrates me to no end. And I, I, I've literally said it to, to, you know, through some tweets and you and I, like the three of us have had laughs off air. That, that this is the reason why I started my blog. It was my, it, w- w- this blog and this podcast was just my frustration that a lot of what we're reading and the material that we're digesting lacks context and lacks layers. It's so quick to just throw out numbers and say, well, this person's being overpaid. Because at the end of the day, the only person that this media and this market seems to want to rake over the coals is Nylander. And Marner continues to get, get a pass, and it's beyond my comprehension. Yeah, so to touch on your point there, Pat, uh, just something that I wanted to add to it. Um, I don't think, I do actually, sorry, I think that Austin Matthews, Matthews was someone who, I don't think, he didn't threat an offer sheet to the team, but Freeman has been quoted saying that the Leafs were afraid that if he did get to July 1, that that offer sheet from Arizona was coming. Um in hindsight now, like Arizona is just a flat out disaster. So like as the days go on, I'm less worried about the, the idea of Matthews going back home after this contract is done. Um, and he was actually uh, talking to, uh, I actually watched a video of uh, Mike, uh, some, uh, the ultimate Leaf fan that we had on this podcast. He, he had a quick interview with Austin and a clip on his Instagram and Austin was just talking about the fans and you could just tell like, he just he just loves playing in Toronto. So like, th- that's my little tangent of how I think Austin feels about this team. Uh, and you're right. Like you you hit it on Nylander. Like to my knowledge, Nylander didn't threaten an offer sheet to anywhere. Right? It was Marner who went to cult. he was seeking out these players. He or, or these these other teams, and he he knew that the player knew. Like I yeah I want to be a Leaf, but you know what like. This is the this is the thing. Like, if you really want to be, like, we'll, we'll use the example like of, of a family, right? Like, if you want to be part of this family, like, why are you going to shop yourself to other families and your and to to just to do what to to hold your the family that you're that you were previously a part of like to the fire, right? Like, like if you you say you want to be a leaf, like to me, when they say like they want to be a leaf, like. Those are just words. Like, show it with your actions. And Marner did not show it with his actions, right? So, 
like he's he's got all these deals, he's got all these commercials. I love that Mitch Marner is elite, but I'm not gonna stand for the 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 victim the victimization of Mitch Marner. Like Mitch Marner got everything that he wanted and more. It was rumored that he fought for an A on his jersey too. Like you know what? Like to me, like that's not about respect. You, that 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 isn't about respect. You did you're you por- portrayed that in the media that. I felt like this team has disrespected me for too long. No, that that's that, when you fight, when you're negotiating your contract in bad faith, it's not about respect. It's your ego. Whether that's the player's ego, whether that's the agent's ego, whether that's the father's ego, I don't know. But to 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 any any public knowledge, there's the only problem that I could see in this room is Marner causing it, right? And to all, by all accounts, Marner's a great guy to have in the room. But when we're talking about strictly when you line up the salaries and let's say everyone walked around the locker room with a salary tag around them, right? That's the only guy that you look at in the room and be like, what did he do to get that? Because Zach Hyman, who wants to be a Leaf, has said it multiple times, is a diehard, and he says he wants to be a Leaf for life. The Leafs might not have a choice next year, and they might have to let a player like that go, Right? And as much as people want to say, yeah, Zach Hyman can re- be replaced. Okay, I'll, that's an argument for a different day. But that guy wants to be a Leaf today, tomorrow, and until he retires. You might have a chance of losing him. And the only reason is, is because some other guy wanted to hold your feet to the fire. That's my only downfall of Dubas. Is I think Dubas needed to play a little bit more hardball with, with Marner in that case. But again, we don't want to rehash the the arguments of last off season, but anyways, Luke, what is your, uh, what is your thought on it? So just in terms of, just in terms of what, just in terms of like what, what you think, how, how Marner could possibly play into the, into the, into the conversation of like salary and, uh, everyone sizing themselves up to other guys in the locker room. Yeah, I, I think what, everything you said makes total sense. Um, I mean, I think it's it's kind of clear just in the sense that Marner obviously wanted what in his eyes, his agent's eyes and his dad's eyes thought he was worth. Um, I just think it's kind of upsetting that we have to get to a point where it's like, yeah, we can use that against Mitch, if, if you guys know what I'm saying. Like, it's almost like because he did that, he automatically has a target on his back and you, you're just not going to be able to let it go. Um, and, and like you said, it does basically affect what the Leafs do from here on in for the next few years because they know they have to pay a boatload of money to Mitch Marner, um, who, I mean, at the end of last year, technically didn't deserve what he was, what he was getting paid. And you, you just kind of hope that he goes back to two years ago, Mitch Marner, where he, he is kind of worth it. And, you know, he does improve. Um but I, it kind of goes back to my original point. Like, I do kind of feel for him in the sense that he automatically – he's got a target on his back. He's got a huge target on his back, especially being in the Toronto market. And I, I know what you're saying where it's like you, you technically don't sympathize for him because you're like, listen, he did this. This is all in his doing. I wonder how much of it actually was him, though. And I, I'm not saying that he obviously didn't have a part to play in it. I, I assume That's he did. up I for debate. Just, That's up for Yeah, like, debate. I'm not just – I'm not going to sit here and say like, you know, he or his dad or his agent was like, no, Mitch, listen here, kiddo. 
I mean, at the end of the day, the guy's an adult. He can make his own decisions. If he wants to tell his dad where to go, he tells his dad where to go and say, listen, this is, this is my negotiation. But same, same for he his also agent, didn't stop probably. them. Same You're for right, his agent. But he also didn't stop sorry, them. Didn't, I know, but the agent is different. The agent is different. I know, but... The agent's got to do what he's got to do. Uh, the agent, yeah, the agent gets commission, right? Like, this is, this let's not let's not kid guy. ourselves. Like, yeah, no, he like Darren Ferris, well known that he get he is vocal and he will get every dollar that his uh his client is coming his way. He'll make sure of that, right? Dan Middlestein is is another guy like he he's the agent of Makayev, right? So same same type of player. Every agent wants to get the best deal for their client because. Ultimately, it's going to line their pockets with with money. So I'm not questioning what the agent's motive is, but to me, right? If I have, if I, the agent is also your employee. So if yeah. you if you're having this guy parade around into the media and saying these things, cooing on your own teammate's contract the day it was signed. You, if I don't know if you guys remember that. But the day oh, Matthew, I remember the Matthew the day Matthew signed that deal, Ferris was in the Toronto Sun or the Star, I forget what it was, and he was quoted saying like that deal's too much, too much for too little term, blah blah blah. So to me, maybe you don't know that your agent's giving a quote to the media, but if you really didn't agree with him, then you would have fired him the next day. You know what I mean? I don't, man. That's that's a that's a stretch, though. Because yeah, think about it. Look what just happened with Flurry in the playoffs. Do you think Flurry went back to his agent and said, "I want you to post a picture of a knife going through or a sword going through my back"? Obviously not. That was on the agent's will. So, like, if you're if you're honestly going to use that comparison, then Flurry should have fired his agent the next day too. Probably should have. That like that like to me that's uh, yeah, my opinion. yeah. But if you don't agree with I that, guess like, that's I guess fine. Like, no no like, we don't have fair. to argue that's that. Fair. But like like the the it's all. T- Ultimately, like you have to go back into that locker room. Like you don't think You're Matthews right. knows that Marner's agent said that shit the next day. Like you yeah, ultimately yeah, have to go I, into I that. Room. That's your teammate. That's your brother. Like you guys got to go to war to ne- the next game. You guys got to play together. You're challenging for a Stanley Cup, pressure cooker, all that stuff. But you got now. You got to like. I get it. It's a business. That's what everyone says all the time, right? And none of us are in that business, so we don't know what the what the dynamics are of an NHL locker room. It's different than playing sports as a kid and all this stuff, because once you bring money into it, it's a totally different conversation. I get it. But you, you, your employee is saying stuff about your teammate. Same thing with the flurry thing, right? Like you think that you're all, all agents think that their clients not getting a fair shake, but to take it public like that, it just, it's, it's not the way to go about it in any way. In my opinion, the best agents are the agents where the most you should know about them is their name and who they represent, right? And if you know if what, Anthony, that that oh sorry, that actually ahead. that's actually got me thinking as well further. That when you think about the Matthew negotiation, when I wrote a blog right before the three were coming up for um, uh, to to be re-upped, and I actually ranked them based on the who I thought was going to be the easiest to sign and, and worked my way down. I always mm-hmm. had it in my head that Matthews was always going to be the easiest of the three to sign between Neander, Marner, Matthews. I, I looked at the agent who was Bobby Orr. I looked at the quality of his agency. You never heard of a contract dispute. You never heard of anything unbecoming from, you know, a player or something, something coming out of the Bobby Orr agency. 
So I knew Judd Matthews Moldaver. was going to be the easiest. Judd Mold- Judd- Juddy is like, uh, or Judd Moldaver is his actual agent, but he's a part of the or group. The, yeah. or, or, the or agency, right? So yeah. then I looked at Nylander, and I was like, I kind of knew where he was going to fall. Um, I, I, I always believe that if the team came out gunning, and I think, you know, when TSM reported it the night that he signed it, the Leafs held firm, I think, at 5 or 5.5. 5, and then eventually five, met Nylander. 5.9. Five, nine. They stuck hard on that, and they eventually they came up and... Um, but then like, it just seemed like with Marner, they gave him everything. Like if there's one player that got everything was Marner and he still wanted to be treated like the hometown boy that, that was going to save this team. And you know, the big selling point that we heard was he was going to, he's the engine of the offense. Well, what happened this playoffs? He's on the line with Matthews and Tavares and all he's able to contribute is what? four secondary assists or three secondary assists and a goal. You know, like, it, it, it's those little finer points that bother me than it is the whole larger context. I always knew he was going to get his money. I just didn't like how he got to that. Like, I didn't like the path we took to get to that destination. And I think that I would have been much happier if I saw him. And it, it's not even savings. Like, it's, you know, when I looked at his comparables, I always thought that it was going to be Kucherov or someone, you know, in and at that range at 9.5. I thought, you know, Marner at 9.5 would be ideal at this point. It's a contract that you could have lived with. Yeah, it's a he contract needed, you could have lived with. He needed to stay in the single digits because this yeah. is this is the thing that 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 you mentioned earlier, right? You said um when you were ranking them, right? You thought Matthews was going to be the easiest. And you know what? It probably was the easiest because he was the best player. You knew that, like, and you and the one thing that I do disagree with is that Marner got everything. Matthews got everything too. Matthews actually got the best deal of them all. He got the term and the money, right? He got five years. Like he's getting walked to UFA or whatever, like whatever it is. He's gonna be like twenty-seven when he hits UFA or twenty-six, whatever it is. I'm not sure, but I the thing that frustrated me with Marner, two things. What you just said about how he, he, he had to be put on a line with the other two best forwards and didn't even contribute that much. After game one, he admitted that he, his, his give-a-shit meter was, was low in game one of the freaking playoffs, right? So he, he admitted that. And then afterwards, all these stories come out from Chris Johnson and Friedman and uh, the, like, uh, Merrick on the 31 Thoughts podcast. Uh, overdrive talks about it. They're all talking about how the contract really took a toll on Mitch this year. Really took a toll on him. Like, yeah. You know why it took a toll on him? Because he brought it upon himself. And Brian Hayes hit this on the nail. Like, couldn't have hit it any better on on Wednesday, I think. Last Wednesday uh, of, of an Overdrive podcast. He said the thing that frustrated him the most was that every time the Marner camp would speak, it would be like smacking your head against the wall, like, like, dude, why are you doing this? You had, he had so much goodwill built up with the organize with the fan base. Sorry, he was he was more popular than Matthews that that season. Uh, the uh, the season when uh, with Tavares when they were lining up with when he uh, put up ninety four points with Tavares, he was more popular than Matthews. You would argue that this, there was as many 16 jerseys as there were 34 in the crowd. 
at the Scotiabank uh, Arena, right? And then he just threw it all in a dumpster. Every time he speak, it was like he was digging his own grave. And then when he got to the bottom of the hole, which is at the end of the Columbus series, he wants to be like, oh, you guys put me here. Like, no, man, you did it to yourself. Yeah, I don't right? blame them. I don't blame anyone for that bullseye being on his back. I, and I, I most certainly blame him for how big it got. Because I don't think it needed to get to that point. Um, it didn't. I it's did a like shame. It is. It's a shame. I like him. I like him as a player. I literally wrote a blog the day he got signed. I said, we don't hate him, but this is why we were upset. And let's just let it go. But then, like, now that we look back, and, and I know, like I said, I, I, you know, with COVID suppressing, you know, the salary cap, you know, I, at the time, you know, everyone was looking at a hundred and possibly a hundred million dollar salary cap with the new TV deal and Seattle's expansion fee hitting the books. Like, you know, no one could have planned this. But it's still that one that one contract negotiation has left. It has soured me, and it now forces me to look at him differently. And my expectations of him are higher because of what everything that's gone on. And, and, and I, I still agree with you, Anthony. It's the process. It's it, it's not. It's the process. It, yeah, it's the process of how we got to these contracts being signed, not the result. Because once the contract's done. Like I said it, like we said it on the podcast, the deal's done. I hope Mitch gets 120 points every season, because he's yep. he's he's now he. We say it all the time. Fans don't care who plays for the team; they just want the team to be as good as it can possibly get, and they want players to give as much a shit about winning as the fans do, right? And if you and like. Not all things, not all of Marner's actions align with that. So that's where the the gap is in terms of his his popularity, I think, in the fan base. And yeah. and to bring it back to the to the article, that could probably be brought into the room, right? Like I, I like not to put an umbrella over over the like all the work that Dubis has done, right? But like Dubis hat Dubis has made all these great deals, but next year he's got like he technically Zach Hyman's up could be up for an extension right now Freddie Anderson could be up for an extension right now like if you want to let Freddie walk okay I'm I'm fine with that but they need to sign Zach Hyman in my opinion like that guy needs to get signed if they let him go I'll be a 10 times more disappointed than when they let Brown go right and when Hyman if Hyman does leave to me as a fan that just personally puts the 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 spotlight more on a guy like Marner because that's the direct like that's who I look at. I look at when if if Hyman leaves, I look right at Marner and and as Hyman, even if putting this up myself in the shoes of Zach Hyman, I look at Mitch Marner and be like, dude, you're the reason why I'm not playing for with a maple leaf on my chest anymore. You understand? Like that. Yep. Like to me, that just it it mind boggles it mind boggles me. Well, my well, you know what, gentlemen, it has been a lively discussion um, for our podcast. I guess, Lucas, uh, before we wrap up tonight's or today's podcast, uh, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, no, truthfully, I uh, I'm happy Mikhaev got signed. Uh, I like the contract, like the value. Um, I agree with Anthony. Would love to see Zach Kaiman get an extension uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, other than that, it's it for me this week, guys. I'm going to go watch my Giants hopefully beat the uh, Philadelphia freaking Eagles. 
Oh yeah. I got the Giants. Anthony, for yourself, any final thoughts? Um, nothing really for me. Uh, overall, just really excited to to see some more sports go on tonight. Uh, or sorry for like the, the rest of the month. Um, we know that the winter classic got, got canceled and the all star game got canceled, so that was announced today. So basically, for me, it's just a matter of of getting uh, of getting to the next hockey puck drop. So let's let's hope for that. Excellent. Well, gentlemen, it has been a pleasure to our listeners. Thanks so much for listening to our latest podcast. Uh, be sure to get for following us on Twitter, where we're still running our contest to the end of the month for you to win your very own Manscaped uh, prize pack. Thanks, everyone.